Well, good after a still morning. How many of you thought this was the 930 service? I hope that you planned ahead and were able to not lose an hour of sleep, but uh, it's just a weird time, isn't it? Be all right. We can still be out sunbathing tonight at like 830 now, so it's going to be awesome. We're glad you're here with us. And for those of you that are watching us online today, let's welcome our online audience today. Thank you for joining us. It's spring break is hit and several people are out and about and traveling. And uh, we ran into people yesterday getting their getting preparations made for trips off to the beach and the coast. And people have already been blowing up social media about traffic woes and our campers broken down and you know, Bucky's is crowded. I mean, I just, I love it, right? We hope that you guys were able to rest a little bit and have a great spring break. Students, teachers, administrators, bus drivers, enjoy some time off and, uh, and get some rest and make some incredible memories. You know, I love what Lisa said in our video today about giving through this house. And, and you need to know seriously that you're giving does not only affect and impact what we do here and what you see here on the weekends or throughout the week, but literally we're making a difference not only here in our city, uh, in our state, but, but literally to the ends of the earth. You hear us talk about partnerships and works going on in Guatemala. You know that we're building a, a church right now in the largest Muslim country in the world. All of that's possible through your faithful giving. And so just know that you're, you're giving to kingdom work and we're thankful for that. So through Hill Country Daily Bread, our pregnancy care center, through, through Hill Country Family Services, right, Brittany? I mean, just so many incredible things, the difference that we're making. So thank you for that. But, but not only do we give and partner with other works of God and moves of God, but one of the things that we know and understand is that 1910 cannot cover and meet all the needs throughout our community and, and globally. And so we always pray for other ministries and other works of God in our city and in this region. And today, if if that's okay, I want us to continue that and be faithful to that. Today, I'd love for us to pray for uh, the the family of faith that's gathered over at the Bernie Church of Christ with Pastor Chris Palmer. Uh, um, He oftentimes refers to themselves as the Starbucks Church of Christ. And many of you have parked in their parking lot and and probably without permission, but that's okay. That's between you and, and pastor. Just kidding. They, I don't think they mind that, but pastor Chris is also the president of our, uh, burning ministerial Alliance and is doing a great job of not only leading that congregation, but coordinating us as churches throughout our area as well. We're getting ready for the national day of prayer that will be coming up in May and more to come about that later. But I just thought it'd be great for us to pray for that church, for Pastor Chris, uh, as he leads his congregation uh, today. Is that all right? Are you guys okay with that? And there may be another pastor, there may be another church that comes to your mind during the season. And I think it's just always good to, to lift up and pray for those in leadership. Hey, check this out. We know that the enemy is after anyone who represents and stands for Jesus Christ, right? In fact, some of you right now are going through some stuff and I'm not trying to make light of that, but maybe just celebrate that, that the enemy has counted you as uh, a detriment to what he's trying to do here. And maybe he's just after you to keep you from being who Jesus has called you to be. Cassandra, how are you? Welcome home. Good to see you. And the rest of the Guerra family, look at everybody there. That's awesome. Lucinda, are you fired up right now? Look, you're missing one. That's okay. We'll talk more about that later. See me afterwards. But, but maybe just the enemy hates what you stand for and represent. But I especially love when we pray for pastors because they are under tremendous fire. I have colleagues, men and women today that will stand on platforms like this and, 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 and they will be preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And anytime you stand for and represent anything of the light, There's an enemy of darkness that comes against that. Are you with me today? And so I think it's very fitting for us to pray for pastors and ministers uh, across the the world as they deliver the word of God. Amen. 
So if you like the person you're sitting next to and don't mind holding their hand during this prayer time, we'd love for you to join us. And those of you watching online, I know that you're right now at Golden Corral in the buffet line. And it's awkward, but just pause and and join hands with somebody, maybe that server. Those of you on the beach right now, just thank you for watching us. But can we just pray? We're the body of Christ. Scripture says that we ought to celebrate with each other and we ought to weep and mourn with each other. Scripture says that we should encourage each other all the more as we see the day approaching. So Lord, that's our prayer today. We come before you first of all saying that we believe in you, Jesus, and you are worthy of our highest praise. Come on, somebody. You're worthy of that. Jesus, we thank you for for, for the life that you've given us, the life you make available to us who will just ask you in to forgive us and to save us. You fill us with your spirit and you give us the power to stand for you and represent you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, today we pray for leaders across the globe that are singing about you and teaching and preaching about you and God, I ask that anointing would flow through every servant of you today, Father. Today, we pray for Pastor Chris Palmer and the Bernie Church of Christ. God, I thank you for his leadership. I thank you for his vision that you've given him in that house. Lord, I thank you for how that house has been a light for you throughout our community for so long. And God, I do pray that just as we say, I do pray that their greatest days are yet to come. They're still ahead, Father. Thank you, God, for Pastor Chris. And and I pray anointing over him today that he preaches with conviction, with clarity, and confidence. Lord, I pray that the people gathered there today would have not just open ears, but open hearts to receive the word of the Lord. And Lord, I'm praying that today they would look back and see the Spirit of God moved in such a way that they would not forget this day. Wow, thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here with us. We know that you brought us here for a purpose. You woke us up today, God, so there still must be something that you have in mind for us to to accomplish here on earth. There's still a kingdom to advance. There's still another person that needs to hear your story, Jesus. So God, we do say once again that we are available. Lord, we're available to you. We just sang about that, but we are available. Use us, Lord, for your glory and yours alone. Speak to us now. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Yeah, give the Lord a round of applause. I think that's good. Let's go. That is a golf clap for Jesus. That's okay. I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Let's go. Don't you get me start. Don't you do, don't you do that to me. Pastor Allen's teasing me right now. He's giving me some of that old dirty worship sound up here and want me to go somewhere and I got a message from the Lord. I want to preach. I don't want to sing. I might sing you out because that's a great way to clear the house. Okay. My singing. So anyway, glad you guys are here today. We're going to continue in this journey. We started last week entitled prepare the way, you know, that when somebody important is on their way, great preparations are made in advance of their arrival, right? Uh, in fact, I don't know if you know this tonight. I know that, that, uh, um, you know, Pastor Gary, you probably already have the popcorn popped. You're ready for the Oscars tonight. I know I can just, I can just sense it and see it that that's a big in Blanco where you live. And, um, and so, but, but I heard tonight, listen, we're accustomed to what color carpet being rolled out red, right? Red carpet. Not so this year. I guess after the slap on the stage last year, they decided to change a lot of things when it comes to the Oscars this year. It's now champagne colored, oatmeal, whatever you want to, whatever palette you go from, but it's not red. But the reality is that there will be some famous people, people that have been on big screens or people that have done something significant. And there will be a lot of people outside watching just to take pictures of them, right? When somebody big time shows up, 
Maybe somebody comes to your house for dinner. You pull the vacuum cleaner out that's been in a closet for like 17 weeks and you prepare for their arrival, right? You do. You get ready. Well, here's the deal. We believe as Easter is approaching that we are going to have a visitor and an encounter with someone of epic proportions that we want to get ready for his arrival. Okay. Now listen, we're preparing for Jesus. Now I want you to know he's here today. Also, we don't have to wait till April the 9th, but, 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 but we're getting ready for what I believe is, can be the greatest harvest in history. Let me say it again. Rewind the tape. We are getting ready for what I believe can be the greatest harvest in history. I think the table is set for a move of God like never before. We're already sensing and experiencing that. Even when there's war in some areas around the world, we saw images of war zones this week with, you know, protesters lobbing mocktail grenades at, uh, law enforcement in the, the Atlanta area. We, we know that f- there's flooding and global warming issues, snow proportions of epic amounts in California. I mean, this global warming thing is just really off the charts, you know, that was a joke, but thank you. It's okay to laugh. And if y'all want to, we can just shut it down right now and go to hungry horse. I believe that with things like revivals breaking out around college campuses around our nation, I believe with things like a movie called The Jesus Revolution, come on somebody, I just really believe that now is a great time for us to reap a harvest. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but it's the workers that are few. So we're preparing ourselves to reap a harvest. We started last week by, by actually looking at a, 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 a gentleman in the Bible known as, uh, named John the Baptist. And, and, and John was someone who literally was known as someone who was a preparer of the way. John knew that he was not the way. John knew that he was not the Messiah. He was not the long-awaited one that Israel had looked for. But he was simply sent as a forerunner, someone that would come and roll out the carpet, someone that would come and begin preparing the hearts of people. He was preparing them for someone. He says, I'm not even worthy to untie the straps of his sandals, but yet he's coming and you best get ready. Now we know that the message that John preached was this message of confession and repentance. You see, I believe that if we truly want to experience a move of God, if we truly want to prepare the way, we must prepare ourselves first. And that comes through confession. Confession of what? Well, the sins of people all around us. No, it starts with us. And aren't we so... Isn't it so much easier for us to point out other people's flaws, but yet overlook ours? Wow. That'll preach, won't it? Somebody tweet that. That'll be good. But it starts with the confession of our sins. You see, the reality is every one of us in this room today and watching online have a problem. We're eat up with the same disease. It's called sin. Every one of us have dealt with that. You were born that way. No, I was born a Christian. No, you weren't. You were born a sinner. You had flaws and issues and you were jacked up, you know, and, 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 but Jesus came, he came to forgive us of our sins. And if I will just acknowledge those weak spots and the, the flaws in my life, and I confess that to him, I don't have to confess that to anyone else, but to him, scripture says that there is forgiveness through that confession, right? But John was not only preaching that, but he was preaching this thing called repentance. What is that all about? Repentance means that if this is where I'm currently living and the life that I'm living or the things I'm participating in are those things labeled as sin, those things that are wrong that God does not approve of. When I truly repent of those things, it means I stop it and I literally, it means to go the opposite direction. The problem is a lot of us, we, 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 we may confess what we're doing is wrong, but we've come a little too 
comfortable with it or we like it a little too much and we don't truly repent and leave it. Well, that's the message that John's preaching. And John was preaching this radical message. And it says in, in, in the book of Mark, I believe one verse five, that, that people were leaving all of Judea and coming out to the wilderness, which was outside the city. And they were listening to this radical preacher. He wore camel hair. He ate locust and honey, you know, the original paleo. He was eating those, but he was preaching a message that was radical. And people were coming in groves to hear him. And he was baptizing them. That's why he was called the Baptist. Not the church he went to. He was called the baptizer because the word baptize means to immerse in a plunge underwater and to bring up out of. Amen? So John's doing that. John understood what I hope that we understand. We are called to point people to Jesus. That's our calling. Listen, our calling here at 1910 Church is not just to throw the lights on and, and haze up the room and just gather together. No, we're called to do what we do here and point you to Jesus. And I hope that you see him and experience him today. I hope you're not impressed, wowed, or whatever by anything else, the flavor of coffee or the Pop-Tarts. Parents, we apologize. The sugar will wear off around four at some point today and they'll take a nap, I promise you. But, but we're here today to point people to Jesus. And so today, as we continue in this journey of preparing the way, I, I want to share with you something else that I believe is important, and it's the power of a personal invitation. It's the power of us inviting people to experience Jesus. If we're called to point him to them, how can we then practice inviting people to come and experience him. You know, our world is broken and flawed and jacked up. Our world is searching for security. They're looking for answers. They're looking for just glimmers of hope. There are so many people that are searching for, for peace and, 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 and they're looking for it in so many arenas. And I just wonder if we really believe that Jesus is the answer for everything. Your friends that are hurting and broken, and maybe those of you that are listening here today, do listen, I want you to understand that we have the answer within us, and his name is Jesus. You know, a few weeks ago, I took my wife to a hotel for an overnight stay, and, and, and we had a great time. It was nice. We loved it. And you know, if you've ever been to a hotel, or uh, that they will oftentimes email you back and say, Hey, would you please write a review? How did it go? Right. And, and you kind of give them stars and all that. And they ask you for more comments and, and, and you fill it in. And so, man, I like, you know, we had such a great time. I'm still paying for it, but we had such a great time. That's okay. She's worth it. That the right thing to say. Yeah, she's worth it. Um, but I remember filling out the review and all that stuff. And, 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 and man, I, we had a great, I even remembered some names of the people there that served us. I know that's crazy, but I remember this. I'm putting their names there. I'm shouting them out. Maybe they'll get a little, you know, bonus or something like that. But, but you, you, so I'm, and, and you know, it always comes to the end. We're like, would you like for, can we, when you submit it, can we post your response? I'm like, Absolutely. Just go for it. I don't care. When you have good service somewhere or when you're impressed with someone or something, you don't have a problem letting people know about it, do you? Man, I had a great meal at Dairy Queen the other day. That dip cone, double dip, that's what I highly recommend. Double dip that bad boy. If it's good, if the meal's good, you tell everybody you know about it, don't you? If I enjoy a product, somebody told my wife and I about a product to clean our counters with the other day, and we're like, Dad, we gotta go buy it right now. When you love a product, when you love service somewhere, when you love the food, you have no reservation making sure everybody knows about that, right? I wonder, do we really believe that Jesus is the answer? 
I was convicted of this again this week and I do this quite often as I, I just, I, I would challenge you, hey, go back and look through your social media feed and just look and see what you've posted about. Posted about my kid, success story. By the way, I love the little video of a little boy that's walk-up song in the baseball game and he's just, don't Google that right now. If you pull your phone out and start Googling that right now, I will know that you're not paying attention. We post about our kids' successes. We post about, oh, I found a new hair product. I, I don't, as you can tell, but we post about a restaurant that we attended. We post about, we, we, we post about a quote or something from somebody. Or we, 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 I, I, was just, so I, just, I would challenge you, look back and see what you've spent time posting about because that might just be an indicator of what you value most. I'm not against having good food and hair products. Please hear my heart with that. And I'm not about cute kid videos. But I'm just wondering if we have the answer in us and know it for all of life's issues. Let me ask you, if you came up with the cure for cancer, would you write about it? Would you tell other people about it? Would you share it with other people? Or would you just keep it to myself? I'm kind of embarrassed or it's just for me. No, you share good news, don't you? I was reading a quote, pastor, author, speaker, leadership guru, Kerry Newhoff. He's Canadian, eh? <laughs> pastor Kerry Newhoff says this, that 82% of the people, if we will just invite them to church, would come but only 2% of us Christians ever bother to do so. It's convicting, isn't it? If we really believe in Jesus, I'm just wondering if we might take the time to let somebody in on what we've experienced. Am I making sense to anybody? Are we? Okay. Russ, we good? Okay. All right. Or, or, or maybe the question is, not only do we believe that Jesus is the answer, but do we really care about people? Do, do, do we care about people? Jesus says, I've come to give you life. life, life that is off the chain, life that is abundant and full, the best life you could ever have. And I'm just wondering, do we care enough about people to offer that to them. Will we tell somebody the difference that Jesus can make in their life? Wow. Well, can we get in the Bible today? I, I wanna, I'm a preacher and we gotta get in the word of God, right? And so I wanna, I wanna read to you a story today that I think is so important for us in relation to this idea of the power of a personal invitation. By the way, I, um, I, I, I do love that movie, um, Jesus Revolution. And if you have not seen it, I would encourage you to go see it. And if you don't like it, just let us know and we'll, 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 we'll give you your money back. Our financial secretary doesn't like it when I say things like that. But I, I think you know what I'm saying. It, it is worth it and it's good. Um, and, 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 and by the way, I, don't ever go to the movie theater with me because I have my phone out because if I hear something good or a sermon illustration, I pull it out and it lights up the night sky in there and I'm taking notes and all that. But, but I did that in the Jesus revolution and I'm amen. And I think I stood up and shouted glory and started passing an offering plate at some point in that movie. It was, it was that good, Doug. It was that good, bro. But, but there's a quote that, that I think is so true that I want us to understand today from, from that movie, Jesus Revolution. Christianity is an invitation to broken people. Do we really believe that we possess the answer? Do we hold it? John chapter four, Jesus has an encounter one day with a woman at a well. In John chapter four, we know that John the Baptist is still preaching and baptizing people, but we know that now Jesus, the Messiah is on the scene and He's preaching and teaching and, and, and baptizing and, and people are coming to know or hear the story of, of God and 
believing that Jesus is the Messiah. He's changing people's lives. In John chapter three, Jesus has this interaction with a religious person named Nicodemus. And I mean, it's just Jesus is starting to do what Jesus is doing. But in John chapter four, we read that Jesus is is on his way from Judea back to Galilee. Most of Jesus's ministry was in basically probably about a three mile radius around the Sea of Galilee. Most of the stories that we read about in scripture were there. Very seldom do you find Jesus going to Jerusalem, to the city. And most of the time when he went there, it wasn't pleasant, okay? Um, but, but, but Jesus, is, so he's got to make his way back to Galilee. But Jesus has to go through an area known as Samaria. An area known as Samaria uh, on his way from Judea to Galilee. Samaria, of course, was inhabited by a, a group of people known as Samaritans. Samaritans were, were not highly valued and favored in this day and time. They were kind of a mixed breed of people. And, and of course, there were some people that thought they never would measure up or match up. And they're just kind of, you know, just odd and weird and lowly. And so, so Samaritans had a bad rap. I know that we would never in our day and age ever look down upon a people group as less than. We would never struggle with that. This is a biblical problem, right? No, we, we still struggle with that sometimes, do we not? And Jesus is going through Samaria and he's tired, he's thirsty. And he, he, he comes across a well because he needs some water to drink. And, and, and while he's there, it says around noon, there's a Samaritan woman that comes up and, and interacts with Jesus. Now it's odd and weird on so many different levels. I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you, but it's odd and weird because first of all, this woman's coming at noon when the custom was that women would go in the morning and then they would come in the evening to gather water for their needs throughout the day. And they would oftentimes go in groups. They would probably be telling stories about, you know, their husbands and the kids are acting up again as they're gathering the water for their daily needs. But this lady's coming at noon by herself. And not only that, she's also going to interact with a man, which was really scandalous back in the day. And not only that, he was Jewish and she's this half breed that they've labeled as a Samaritan. But what we find in John chapter four is Jesus's interaction with this woman and and the discussion that they begin to have, ma'am, could you give me a drink of water? I don't have anything to draw water from. I'm thirsty. And and this lady says, well, sir, who who do you think you are? And do you think you're greater than our father Jacob's whose well this is? I mean, there's just a lot of interaction that's taking place there. And then Jesus begins to share with this lady, I'm, I'm, I am thirsty physically, but, but ma'am, I would like to let you know, in fact, he says it this way in verse 10, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Now, listen, we all understand the need for our physical needs of food and water, right? And and, and those are very real. But what Jesus is trying to get this woman, and he begins to enter a conversation with her about a spiritual thirst that I still believe so many of us listening here today, we still have. We've tried to satisfy this longing that we have within us with so many other things. And the world is especially clever, is it not? At throwing things at us that say, hey, just take this or just drink this or just do this, just purchase this. And, and, but so many of us have found that it's futile and we're still empty and hurting inside. And so Jesus begins to interact with this lady about living water. And ma'am, if you only knew what I had to offer you, it would satisfy you forever. In fact, he says in verse 14, those who drink the water that I give them will never be thirsty again. Can I just encourage someone here today, your search for significance, your search for filling, your search for something to satisfy that hurt and pain that you have, it can end today with Jesus. He can satisfy Remember what I just said? He came to give life. And just as we sang earlier, I do believe that your best days are yet to come. 
Jesus says, I will offer you water and you'll never thirst again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within, giving them eternal life. Well, this lady's a little confused and and, and Jesus, she begins to interact with Jesus and about, you know, who do you think you are? And, and Jesus says, hey, what's, why don't you go get your husband? As if this is not scandalous enough, a Jew talking to a Samaritan, a man talking to a woman, we're alone. Hey, why don't you go get your husband? Maybe for covering or maybe just to validate what I'm sharing with you or whatever. And the lady, of course, her response was, sir, I don't have a husband. Of course, Jesus can't let that go because he wants her to understand, I know that about you. <laughs> Uh, you've had five husbands and the one that you're currently with is even not your husband. You see, I share that with you and I think that's important for us in this story to understand. This woman had a history and she had a reputation and, and maybe just one of the reasons why she came to the well by herself that day at noontime was maybe the other ladies in the community, maybe they were put out with her. Maybe she had offended them in some form or fashion, or maybe she had done something, and, and I don't know, but for whatever reason, this lady feels shame. She can't associate with people in her community. They know her, and so she's trying to hide, maybe from embarrassment, right? But yet Jesus says, go get your husband, and we know that their interaction continues here in chapter 4. And through this interaction and conversation, Jesus makes the declaration that is so important. He says, I am the Messiah. Sir, we're looking for the Messiah. When will he come? We long for him. Ma'am, you need to know that the one you're talking to, I am he. Says in the story that the disciples come back, they kind of been off doing their own thing. They were offended. Jesus, what are you doing? You're here with a woman. You're talking to a Samaritan. What are you thinking there? But I love the response that when the disciples show up, this lady, well, it says that she runs. <laughs> the woman, it says in the next verse, left her water jar beside the well. Now keep in mind, she'd come to the well to get what? Water. It was probably pretty important, Correct. But yet now we find her in her excitement about meeting the Messiah, meeting a man who knew everything about her. She now leaves that thing that is so precious for the survival of her family and the thing that is necessary in order for them to make it through the day. It says that she leaves her water jar beside the well and she ran back to the village telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And so the people came streaming from the village to see him. Guys, are you seeing something here? Here's a lady that went out to do a customary thing. She met Jesus and it radically changed her life. And instead of keeping Jesus to herself, she leaves something so precious in order to go and to tell others his story. And it doesn't say that she sat on that. She told everybody in the village is what scripture says. You need to come and see this man who knew everything I ever did. It, her encounter with Jesus changed her. Verse 39 says, many of the Samaritans from that village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. You don't have to run anymore. You don't have to hide anymore because of your past or your sin or your flaws. Jesus is after you. I love this last verse real quick and then we'll move on. It says, the people came and they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. We believe not just because of what you have told us, but now we believe because we have heard ourselves. 
Listen, I think there's a couple of things that are important for us to catch here. Your story about Jesus is a powerful tool. In fact, let me just ask you, who's the last person, person, person that you shared your Jesus story with? You see, there are a lot of people that might refute scripture and might refute even this encounter. But when you stand and bear personal witness, and by the way, in a court of law, is that not what happens? They call people to the stand to give an account of what they know. What, when is the last time you gave an account, you bore witness as to the difference Jesus has made in your life? For so many people, that's enough to win them. But if not, I also love what these, these villagers, the, the original village people, the village people said, not just because of what we heard from you, but because we heard it ourselves. She invited them to come and see. Friends, don't miss the importance of a personal invitation If we believe that Jesus is the answer for a hurting, broken world, I believe that we will share with them the reason for the hope that we profess. You know, we're ambassadors for Christ. That means we're to represent him. No pressure there, right? I make mistakes still, and sometimes I drop the ball. Anybody else with a preacher today? We're called to be evangelists. I know what you're thinking. Well, I took the spiritual gifts assessment. I didn't score so well in that one. No, listen, if you've been saved, you can tell what Jesus has done for you, right? We see that God uses this woman with a sordid past, a woman from a race that was looked down upon unfavorably, but yet she met Jesus and she wanted other people to meet him as well. Are you making, is this making sense to you today? The power of a personal invitation. I love this passage of scripture in the book of 1 Timothy chapter four. It says, preach the word of God. What are the next two words? Be prepared. Whether the time is favorable or not, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. I wonder, are we prepared? Are we prepared to tell other people about Jesus? And let me just remind you that the gospel of Jesus is for everyone. It's for everyone. Samaritans, Americans, (laughs) Indonesians, Guatemala, it's for the world. Red, brown, yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. We learned that song as a kid, but it's so true that Jesus loves people. And maybe for someone listening here today, that message contradicts what you may think about God, because maybe you think that God's mad and he's going to destroy us all. No, I want you to know that this story today is proof that God loves people because he sent Jesus, his one and only son, to give us the opportunity to receive him, to be forgiven of our sins and enjoy life off the chain. Are you with me today? Church, what will we do? Are we prepared? Are we ready to tell his story? Look at this last passage of scriptures as the worship team comes and gets ready. Listen to this. It says this in First Peter chapter three, um, Christ is the Lord of your life says, this, if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to explain it. But do this, I love this part, in a gentle and a respectful way. You know, I think some of our old tactics of yelling louder with bullhorns or picketing or rioting or, or taking stance in ugly, harsh, negative ways, I think that that might not have won people to the Lord, but it actually might have been a turnoff to some. 
In fact, I, I, I'm hard pressed to find times in scripture where, where Jesus shows up when there's so much sinfulness around him or people living in, in harmful, destructive ways, even demon possessed people. I, I, I have a hard time finding those times where Jesus shows up and he's just mad, angry, infuriated. You're, you're doing this again. I just don't find that. But what I find is him engaging in conversation, in loving and welcoming and receiving. You know, I'm reminded that the truth is oftentimes quiet. It's the lies that are loud. That's another Jesus revolution quote, by the way, that the truth is oftentimes quiet. It's lies that are the loudest. We have the truth. And I don't think that we've got to be jerks with the gospel. I think we can enter conversations with people and meet them where they're at. In fact, I'm reminded of another time in which Jesus had an encounter with another woman who was about to be stoned for, again, the way that she was living her life. And the people were surrounding her with their rocks in hand and Jesus shows up and just kind of kneels down and begins to doodle in the dirt a little bit. And upon which people see what he's doing and they drop their rocks and they leave. And of course, Jesus stands up and looks at this woman and says, ma'am, where are your accusers? And they were nowhere to be found. They're nowhere to be found, sir. And Jesus gives her these words. He didn't give her a tongue lashing that day. He didn't sit her down and say, okay, now let me give you three practical steps that I need you to do in order. No, he didn't do that. He didn't remind her of her past. He simply said, I don't condemn you either, but go and sin no more. Are you picking up on the heart of Jesus yet? He's willing to engage people in their brokenness and their sinfulness. And he's not coming at an angry, demonstrative way but he loves people. Church, that passage there in 1 Peter chapter three, I'm just wondering if we are ready to give an answer for the hope that we profess. Listen, Jesus is coming. In fact, I believe he's coming real soon. I'm not putting a date on it. I'm, I'm not that because, but I just believe that everything that we see happening around us is leading up to return of our savior, the Messiah. How will he find us? Are we engaging and interacting with people that are hopeless and helpless and searching for answers? Or are we just content to just come sit and just, just feed us some more? And I just, it's all about me. Listen, I, we don't need another sermon. We don't need another podcast. I think that we just need to get serious and passionate about the one that has saved us and us just go and tell other people the difference he can make. I have a couple of questions for you today. I'm gonna to let you go, is that all right? But this passage in 1 Peter 3 says, talks about our conduct and our conscience and the way we live our lives. It's a big deal because I think the world is maybe a little confused by some of us, by the way we live our lives because it doesn't match up with the savior that we claim. Are you with me? Is that a struggle for anybody but me? Come on, let me see your hands. Anybody else struggle with that? And we do. Or, 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 or maybe even with, within this family, they, they see us and how we, we, we treat one another and it just doesn't match up with a grace and a forgiveness and looking past faults. And 1 Corinthians 13 says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Why do we do that then? I'm just so glad, Harvey, that God's not keeping a ledger of all my weaknesses and flaws and holding that against me, right? Now, he wants me to turn from that and not do that, absolutely. But yet, that's not dependent on whether or not he's gonna welcome me into his presence today or talk to me. He's still gonna let me in. I met with him this morning, by the way, at 5.30 this morning. It was sweet. But that's just who he is, Pastor Gary. That's the God we worship. Here's my question for us. Can others see your hope in Christ? 
Does the life you live put Jesus on display for other people to see? Do they know who you belong to? My concern, can I just speak freely real quick? My concern is people may know more about what political candidate we represent than they do about the Savior we serve. People might know a little bit more about what our favorite restaurant is to eat versus the bread of life that we eat. Does that make sense to you guys? Can other people see my hope in Christ? Or what about this question? Are you prepared to tell them what Jesus has done in you? Are you? Are you prepared, John 4, to tell people, you've got to come and see this one. He knew everything about me. But I'm telling you guys, you've got to come and hear him and experience that. There's power in a personal invitation. 82% of people, according to Carrie Newhoff, will say they will respond appropriately. They'll, they'll receive that if we will simply invite them. So I'm going to offer an invitation today. And, and the, the invitation is twofold today. First of all, I've talked a lot about Jesus and the difference that Jesus can make in someone's life. And I'm telling you, he really can. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on. You, you used to be this way, but Jesus stepped in and he changed you, right? Aren't you glad that, 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 that Jesus makes us new? He transforms us. And make, hey guys, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. And your past can be your past. I'm telling you, John 4 ought to bear witness to that. I don't think this lady was ever the same once she met Jesus. And your life will never be the same as well. I stood up here with a young man in the first service today who, who, who just kind of, man, my life before Christ. Whew. But he changed me. We've heard those stories the last few weeks people bearing witness that I was hooked on drugs or I dealt, dealt them. I have a criminal record, but that's not who I am. You see, Jesus came into my life and now I'm a son or I'm a daughter. You remember the little boy we baptized when I asked him, Hey, what was your life like before Christ? I stole things. I don't do it anymore. It's what Jesus does for people. And for someone listening here today, you think you're too far gone. I'm telling you, a prostitute is not too far from the love of Jesus. A drug addict, someone who steals, you're not too far gone for Jesus. Are you with me today? And so here's the first invitation for someone here today that wants to see their past forgotten and for you to receive new life and a new chance, the life that Jesus wants you to have. Today, I'm standing here and I would love for you to come and join me today. And then here's the second invitation. In fact, everybody just go and stand with me if you would. And, and our ministry team are going to go ahead and start moving. Here's the second invitation today. As you leave this house today, our worship hosts are going to be standing at the door. And they have some invite cards. You see what I did today? They have invite cards for us to start inviting people to come and experience Jesus this Easter at 1910. These packets are, there's five cards in each packet. Why? Statistics tell us that you know on average five people by first name that do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That means if that person were to perish, to die, they would spend an eternity not with Jesus in heaven, but with the devil in a place called hell. And can I just remind us all of something? 
Hell was not created for people. It was created for the devil, not people. So I'm just wondering if we, and we're not going to force these upon you. We're not going to hog tie and zip tie and deflate your car tires until you grab these, but we're simply going to give you an opportunity to take these and to pass those out to people that you would say, ah, you need to come and see this one that'll change your life. Does that make sense to you today? Shaylee, we good, bro? Amen. Well, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the life change that you bring us. God, I want to thank you for for saving me when I was nine years old. Lord, I want to thank you for the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy that is even still available to me today because, Lord, I still fall short. I'm still a work in progress. Can anybody relate to a preacher right now? But you're not finished. And Lord, I'm here. And you've reminded us greater days are still to come. Lord, I pray for the person here today that is carrying around hurt, pain, shame from their past. They've got a reputation. Others have spoken things over them that are so destructive. I pray that in this moment right now, they would understand that they are not too far in which you can't reach them and restore them. For the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. And Jesus, that's still the invitation today. So I'm praying for that person to come today and confess their sins to you, Lord, and to ask you to come in and save them and be Lord of their life. And then, Lord, for all of us as we leave here today, Lord, if we really believe that you are the answer, what will we do to tell your story? Lord, will we be prepared for those opportunities that you're going to give us to, to step out and invite people, to put you on display, to make you so attractive that other people would say, I want what you have. And let us be quick to tell them, Jesus, Jesus Jesus is the answer. So God, thank you for being worth talking about. Thank you for being worth bragging about. And God, I pray that we'd go in that power and that spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.